The Sailor Jimmy Podcast is brought to you by our friends over at Rooftop Solutions. Stephen Smolko and his team are the best in the roofing business. Give us a call at 832-512-5758. Again, that's 832-512-5758. Welcome to the Sailor Jimmy Podcast. Your one-stop shop for raw takes on current events, sports, news, and everything in between. Inspiring people to chase their dreams, share their success stories, and find joy in life. Now, here's your captain at the helm, U.S. Navy veteran, Jimmy Rogers. Wow, what a day in sports it's been today already this morning. Um, Today's show is going to be about sports, so I'm going to start the show off by saying, wow, what a day in sports. Yeah. We had Russell Wilson get traded to the Broncos, and... Aaron Rodgers got paid, so good for those two. <laughs> I want to bring in my co-host today, Chris Birchfield. You might have seen him on episode two, season one. Welcome in, Chris. What up? Also here today is Christian Latimer. Hey, hey. Yeah. He's done a lot of sound auction stuff for me with the charity, so Christian, welcome to the show. Appreciate you having me. And then our guest of honor, sitting <laughs> in the Texracks cool seat, we've got a new um, sponsor for your seat. Every, awesome. every show we do is going to be, it's now called the Texrax Cool Seat because it's AC and Refrigeration Company. Sean Pendergast uh, from Sports Radio 610 Morning Show. Welcome to the show, Sean. I appreciate it, Jimmy. Look, let me just say how impressed I am that not only the, I'm, I'm taking notes on the intro that you did, so, so, <laughs> I, so, so, I, can, so I can steal, so I can steal some things from you. I can and see the fact that you've turned the chair into a revenue generator is, uh, you, you're ready for the big time, man. No, he's, yeah. he's over here evaluating me. I already know he is. He's like, he <laughs> does this for a living, so he's yeah. like, this guy's a rookie. I, I am not, I tell everybody, I'm not classically trained. Are we going to get that chair looking like a NASCAR with stickers yes. and advertisements yeah. and everything else all I like over it. it? I mean, yeah. I like it. It's good to be with you guys. This is nice, because you mentioned Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers, this is literally like this happened. The Russell Wilson thing went down like less than an hour ago. So I don't go on the radio till 6 a.m. tomorrow. So I start twitching when things like this happen during the day and I can't talk. So this is it's like <laughs> I get to, it out. I get to scrimmage. This yeah. is like I'm stretching out my hamstrings for tomorrow. And I didn't know until you text me, you're like, check out the Russell Wilson news. And I was like, wow. You yeah. sent me the rundown. Yeah. You sent yeah, me the rundown so, yeah. for this. And I'm going, you may want to add something here. So yeah, it's I been grew a big up day. being a sports junkie. Um, my grandfather was a sports junkie. He loved all all the sports: golf, football, basketball, baseball. He used to drive my grandmother crazy, according to my mom, because he would listen to sports talk radio all day, every day, in the house, in the car. And I grew up in front of the the TV, watching sports, listening to sports talk. When my when my siblings were watching cartoons on Saturday morning, I was watching Sports Center. Um, I wouldn't watch anything on TV unless it was a sports movie. So I've been a sports junkie my whole life. So I've listened to you over the years here in Houston and. Uh, it's an honor to have you here, number one. And, it's an honor um, to be here, man. And it's just cool. I want to pick your brain on some things that you've done in your career and just hear some cool stories. But uh, today's show is about sports. So I want to start off by everybody sharing their favorite sports memory in their life. Okay. I'll go. Uh, I, I guess I think I might have a couple of them, but I grew up in Houston or in Katy my entire life. So I was always Astros, Rockets, Oilers. So before we could even drive, my parents used to drop me and my brothers off at the Astrodome. We found a way to sneak in. So, But we were the guys that were going to the hotels, the Stouffer Hotel, chasing autographs, things like that, the Weston Marriott were all the baseball players. And so two of them as growing up was uh, 1985, Nolan Ryan's 4,000 strikeout in the Astrodome, which I thought was kind of cool. And then me and my brother sneaking into the 89 NBA All-Star Game at the Dome. Nice. Uh, which is kind of <laughs> cool. Because here, I mean, here we are, too. You know, at that time, it was 89. I was 15 years old. My yeah. parents just would drop us off, literally. And we'd go down there. And, 
here we are standing courtside. I feel like it'd probably a lot easier back then to sneak in. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> no metal Absol- detectors. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, you had to deal with the redcoats back there in the, in the days with the dome. But, you know, but we're here we are standing courtside, and here goes, you know, Jordan, Bird, and Magic didn't play. They were 89, hurt. 89, man. Like, that's game. the heyday yeah. right there. Yeah, that and the 86 uh, Major League Baseball. So, yeah. game was here, too. So, yep. I remember, you know, going to that, too. But I think, but now fast forwarding, having a son, I think with my father and my son watching the Astros clinch the AL championship in 17 with us three, that was, that was pretty much the pinnacle of, of sports. So for, for me, is yours going to be about poker? No, no, is that a sport? No, like, so is this about like, uh, our favorite for us or like m- moment in history? No, like, for you, like your your experience, like something something okay. Yeah. You, so for me, it would be the 2017 Astros World Series. Yeah. A lot of people that have already been on the show and listened to the show, we actually uh, lost. He was my mentor. We lost him early on at 2017. Diehard Astro fan. Mm. After he passed, his fiance actually gave me his baseball cap, Astros hat that he wore every game, and his favorite bar was Tailgaters off of uh, 242. Okay. And so we all got there for the for the last game and, you know, we get the final out and, you know, all of a sudden just tears and all this kind of stuff. But like that, that's always been my my favorite moment for me, for sure. But sports has like a way to like transcend. So like bigger, it's bigger than people and all that kind of stuff. And uh, just real quickly, like one of the things that I will never forget is when D Gordon hit that home run. The day, oh, yeah. two days after Jose, Jose Fernandez, Fernandez passed away, passed away. Yep. like that is seriously like one of the, like I get chills thinking of, that was the only home run he hit that entire year. Yep, and he stepped into <laughs> the plate on the wrong side of the plate yeah. as, a, as a, like a, an O tool. Yeah. yeah, you know, and then just on a two O count, just only home run of the year. There's something just, more powerful. Yeah, he's crossing yeah. the that plate we can't explain, and just sure. crying yeah. and just it was just the absolute coolest thing in the world to me. So. I know I went off. A little no, bit no, of- you're good. That's pretty cool. I, I'm sure you have a million different stories. Well, I, I mean, I yeah, I mean, I come at it from different perspectives. I mean, I've got a lot of stories, obviously, from my broadcasting career. But as far as like being a fan goes, I think of I, I'll, I'll give you one before moving to Houston. Then I have two from being in Houston. I moved to Houston in '94. My one before Houston is still the best one to this day in my life. And it was one of those things that, in the moment, I remember turning to my buddies and saying, "I don't know that I'm ever going to be at a better sporting event than this." And for those who don't know, I went to the University of Notre Dame. I graduated nice. in 1991, so I was there. My sophomore year was Catholics versus convicts. Oh wow! The 1988 yeah. game against Miami. I still get chills just even talking about it. But Miami had just slapped Notre Dame around for for a few years before that. And Notre Dame had a really good team in 1988. They wound up winning the national championship. They went undefeated, but Miami came in and they were big, bad Miami. And it was just, it was a great game. 31, 30, Jimmy Johnson versus Lou Holtz, Tony Rice, the quarterback, Steve Walsh. Like it just, you go back and watch that game. And it's just, it's, it, it still holds up now. If right. you watch it, it's just a Mecca kind of game. So that was, that was probably, and they made a 30 for 30 out of Please it. Please tell me you have a t-shirt. I do. Yes. I do. Well, of course, I got a yes. Catholics versus Convicts t-shirt. Absolutely. Perfect. There's yeah. a picture of me in the 30 for 30. I'll show you guys uh, after. That was one of the best 30 for 30s I've seen. Watch those good. kids yeah. just, just sell yeah. those t-shirts. You know, it's unbelievable. It's, what's funny about that, Christian? Like, that's my favorite 30 for 30, mostly because uh, there's actually a picture of me in it. Yeah. I'm very narcissistic. <laughs> um, but my 
honest. My, my second <laughs> favorite, my second here. favorite thirty for thirty is the one about the U. Okay, yeah, you know yeah, yeah. about yeah, yeah. those Miami, Miami teams, yeah. and I think over time, like in the moment, in that moment when you're 19 years old, you hate them and you feel like you hate them personally. You know what I mean? You get to be an adult and you realize you're really rooting for characters. It's like a wrestling yeah, match, sure. and so you get to when you get older, you start to appreciate. Hey, that game would not have meant as much had right. they not been the villains. Yeah. You know, and so so that's like my second favorite 30 for 30 is about those guys because yeah. I feel like it's I feel like I'm I feel like I'm watching a documentary on oh. the guy who bullied me on the playground or something. <laughs> they do you such know? a good job with so those. So you were you were attending you were attending college at Notre Dame when that game happened. Yeah, I was a sophomore. Yeah, yeah, I was a sophomore. I, I went there at a great time. Tim Brown won the Heisman my freshman year. They won the national championship my sophomore year, and they were they were really good the the, the next two years after that. That that's my that still is number one for me as far as Houston moments go. Though I moved here in '94, so I moved here in between the two. Championships, championships yeah. with the Rockets. Kind of like what you guys were saying about sports taking you up to a higher place. For a great moment for me, I almost have to be with other people right. for it to really mm-hmm. still resonate with me. And the two the two moments that I will just never forget, and they were, you know, they're literally like 25 years apart, but the Mario Ellie kiss of death, oh. which has really been cool for me over time because I've gotten to know Mario a little bit and ask him about that. it and tells his story and things like that. But that Mario Ellie kiss of death was in Phoenix, but I remember watching it I was new to Houston and I'm watching it with neighbors and new friends, you know, and we're all just hugging each other in a garage, you know, with a keg there or whatever. And then 25 years later, the Jose Altuve home run against the Yankees in game six, which has become one of the most controversial, you know, to Yankee fans, at least. I don't think there's any controversy to any of us, but, but that I was at a bar in Pearland watching that game with my wife and a bunch of strangers and there's nothing better then when you're with a bunch of strangers yep. and you all just get taken to this higher place yep. at the same time. And you come together. I'm hugging people I don't even str- know. Yeah, yeah, that's and it's Jose Altuve who it's impossible to hate. Yeah. You know, he's he's yeah. he's he's, he's but the, they hate the him. I don't I, it's impossible to hate him here. <laughs> yeah. You know, they all hate him in New York, but he seems Sorry, to Sorry, we hate them too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. No, the feeling is reciprocal. Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. But those are mine. Those those are um, mine. So my my favorite sports experience was when I was in elementary school. I had like a cold or a fever one day and they came in to check me out of class. They're like, Hey, your dad's here. He's going to, he's going to take you to the doctor. So uh, (laughs) he signs me out of school and he's like, Hey, I'm going to take you to the doctor. You know, we're going to get this cough and cold under control, whatever. (laughs) So we're driving for like 30, 45 minutes. I'm coming from Tomball and I'm like, this is a far doctor's appointment. (laughs) The next thing I know, we turn the corner and there's the dome and I'm like seven or eight years old. And uh, he pulls into the dome. The Astros are playing a day game. And uh, he reaches in the back seat, pulls out two ball caps, two Astros shirts. I think I'm going to the doctor. Everybody hates going to the doctor when you're a kid. And next thing I know, we're pulling into the dome. And we're going to a day game, to to the Astros game. It happened to be kids run the bases day. So we went to the game. I got to see the game. And then um, I remember Billy Wagner had an awesome save that day. And then uh, after the game, I got to go on the field of the dome and run the bases. And then to make it even better, they were playing the St. Louis Cardinals. And uh, my grandfather guarded the dugouts. He worked for HPD. He was an officer in the visiting dugout. So after the game, he took me back behind uh, to like the St. Louis Cardinals locker room. And I got to meet Ozzie Smith. It was like Ozzie's last year he was playing or something like that. And uh, just an incredible sports day that I'll never forget. Didn't really know how to appreciate it then because I was so young. Yeah. But now looking back, I'm like, that was awesome. Yeah. yeah. And then my worst moment is when I was stationed in the Navy, I was uh, cheering for the Rockets. They were playing in, I think, the in the playoffs. I think it was when they had McGrady and uh, 
and Dwight Howard. And if y'all remember when uh, Damian Lillard with the Portland oh, hit that oh, bank, oh, hit that right bank shot. Right yeah. Point, yeah. Point, yeah. Point nine seconds. Yes, yes. Point that was 2014. <clears throat> yes, it was Dwight Howard. I was, I was, I was, I I was, I was in Virginia Beach. That. Yeah. yeah, I was in Virginia Beach at a shitty bar that all, a bunch of sailors. I'm cheering for the Rockets. Next oh. thing I know, just. I thought you said. Uh, the, I think you were going to say the worst moment because you brought up St. Louis was the ball that Pujols hit that's still flying in outer space. Uh, <laughs> I'm a, I'm a <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I lean towards basketball as my favorite sport. Obviously, I grew up playing basketball, but I'll never forget that shot by Lillard, man, just a dagger in your heart. Oh no, yeah. that was the that was like the most debilitating because I mean he's so incredible and yeah. just has never gotten a chance anywhere in his career. Like that was a decent Rockets team too. That that was a that was a time McGrady was, could not get out of the first round. That was that was a, I think that was a Harden team in 2014. Oh, was it? Yeah McGrady and Dwight didn't cross so McGrady was with Yao, but it was hard it was, it okay. was Harden, 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 Harden and Dwight. Chandler Parsons Chandler Parsons was on that team and and, and you know and but those are the main three guys because the that offseason they tried to sign Chris Bosch. Yeah. The 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 thing about that was that was at a time where the Lakers were still kind of down because they just come out of the Dwight Howard. They, that was when Kobe was getting older and the Lakers weren't very good. And that was the year before the Warriors became good. Right. So that was in that kind of like that, that was little the soft area there yeah. where you. If could, they could have got through Portland, he, they may have been able to. Might go have been away. able yeah. to do something. Yeah. 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 And yep. they were up in that series too, right? Like, weren't they? They were. They went six. I know that. So they had won some games in that. Series. Yeah. Lillard's such a great player. He's a great. player. I wish he would leave Portland. I hate to say that, but. Yeah. I also appreciate the fact that he's so loyal to him because you don't see that a lot anymore in sports. But no, no. I mean, who who has he had? He's had CJ McCollum, and is that that's about it? He had Lamarcus it. Aldridge oh, with Marcus him. Aldridge. Yeah, yeah, right, yeah. Yeah, yeah, they had some good teams. Yep. Here in yeah. Texas, it seems each year the weather's becoming more and more extreme. Heating, air conditioning, and refrigeration maintenance, repair, and replacement can no longer be left to your run-of-the-mill contractor. In today's world, you need a company that can provide not only top-notch services, but also provide excellent customer service and is reliable, honest, and professional. Well, folks, we're here to tell you, Texas Refrigeration and AC Services, better known as TX Racks, is the company you've been looking for. Texas-born, Texas-owned, with 30-plus years of experience, TX Racks offers a full range of services for residential and commercial heating, cooling, and refrigeration. If you're looking for the best of the best to handle your preventative maintenance, which will keep your equipment operating efficiently and prevent unnecessary breakdowns. If you're looking for a company that is well-trained in indoor air quality to keep your family and employees healthy and happy. If you're looking for a company with integrity, reliability, and great customer service, look no further. TX Racks has you covered. They offer a full range of air conditioning, heating, and refrigeration services using the most up-to-date technology and training with a mobile app to keep you informed about the arrival of your technician and the expert knowledge and experience to evaluate the quality of air you're breathing, along with always providing a live professional to take your call. TX Racks keeps Texas homes and businesses warm in the winter, cool in the summer, and keeps all of us covered with the best warranties in the business. Always on time, always dependable. Call TX Racks for all your cooling, heating, and air quality needs. TX Racks is your go-to in Texas. Always ready to rack up on satisfied customers. Call TX Racks today. But cool, man. Good stories. Great all around. So, Sean, yeah. your your story is very intriguing and, and inspiring and many different other things. But mm-hmm. I, I just realized a few days ago that you got into the sports talk business being a caller 
and two sports talk shows. So just give us a little rundown on how you got into the to hosting your own sports radio show and got into the business. Sure. Yeah. It's uh it's it's a unique story. When I go, I get asked sometimes to go to different colleges at communications classes. And one of the things that they, they always ask, and you're supposed to ask it, the students are like, So tell me, how did you how did you get into they they ask you that question with the idea that I'm about to hand them the blueprint for how they can get into it. And what I always tell them is my story is you're not gonna execute the same story I have to get into radio, but there's elements of it that you can there's things you can take out of it to maybe go, go chase that. But so I, I, that's my preface to it's a weird story, but I was a caller to the Jim Rome show. I was living here in the late nineties. It just had, uh, you know, uh, my kids were just born. I have three kids all within about 16 months of each other, twins and another one. So it's late nineties. I'm living here and I'm a listener to sports radio, 610 P1 listener, listen to John Granado and Lance Zerline in the mornings on, on 610. I'm in my late twenties, Jim Rome, Comes to Houston, you know, on six. Nothing interrupts you, but didn't Jim Rome start his career kind of the same way? He was a caller. I don't know if he was a caller or not. He he like he studied radio. Like he went to UCSB, Cal Santa Barbara, and studied radio. He may have been a caller. Yeah. He would have been a good caller, I'm sure. But he at that time in the late '90s, his syndication was beginning to start to boom a little bit. But Houston was like one of the first big markets outside of LA that he had, and the show was like nothing I'd ever heard before. It's very unique, and in, in fact, so much so that a lot of people here in Houston. Was we're calling six ten like what is this that I'm listening to? It's so different. The jungle. The jungle. It was very different. I remember listening to it and 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 I remember going to his website and there was a section on his website where it highlighted the callers. These are the legends that call the show. And I'm thinking, boy, I used to call sports talk radio like in when I was living up in the. I grew up in the Northeast, so like Mike and the Mad Dog up on WFAN, like that was what I listened to growing up. And I'd listen to listen to other smaller sports talk shows. And I would call in, I'd call in even before I was at an age where you're supposed to call in. I, you're supposed to be 18 to call in. Yeah. I'd be like, hello. Yeah, right, right. So I was a, what, I what, was, you want to see my library card? Yeah, the phone? I, I was a junkie like you, Jimmy, you're a sports junkie. I was a junkie. I was a sports talk junkie. So I started calling the Jim Rome show. I'm like, I want to become one of these legends on here. You know, I'm 28 years old. Like I'm thinking like I'm 16 years old, but I want to, so I start calling his show. Did you have and, a name like, you know, Larry and Stafford or No, I was like just Sailor Jimmy. I, I was yeah. <laughs> I was I was Sean in Houston, but it's funny you say that cuz I was Sean in Houston and I had a, a really good call one day. You know, if you guys listen to Rome, you know, if you had a good call, yeah. you'd rack them. And if you, you had a great and... call, if you had yeah, if you're a bad call, he buzz you. Yeah. If you had the best call, you were the huge call of the day. Yeah. So that was what I was always striving for, the huge call of the day, huge call of the day. And one day I had a call about Tiger Woods. This is right around the time Tiger won his first Masters. And Tiger had gone on Barbara Walters or Oprah or something and was asked about his ethnicity. And they said, what ethnicity are you? He said, well, I'm part Caucasian, part black, part Indian, part Asian. I guess you could say I'm a Cablin Asian. <laughs> and I thought, okay, well, that's a weird yeah. thing. So I called Rome and had some take about the word yeah. Cablin Asian. I forget what it was. But for whatever reason, Rome dubbed me Shawnee the Cablin Asian after that. I was the Cablin Asian. That's nice. awesome. Yeah. So that, so, that, so that was my nickname was Shawnee the Cablin Asian. I didn't pick it. He did. I was Shawnee the Cablin Asian. I'll, I all I took that for is I was it was like a sign that I was a good caller. Like wow, yeah. he glossed me. You know, yeah. like this is great. So I I was calling his show. Anybody who knows the Jim Rome show is familiar with the Smack Off, which is his annual thing where he invites the thirty best callers and you run your mouth and the best one wins the Smack Off. Well, I won that five times. 
99, 03, 05, 06, and 07. I won wow. it. Wow. So you won like the bracket, like, because it's like a bracket, right? No, you, no, no. It's just the, 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 the day of, he just invites 20, 25, Oh, 30 so it's callers. just a one, one-time competition? One-time thing. You call in, and then at the, end of the, at the end of the day, they say, here's the top 10. And they reveal the top 10, and then the champion is the king of smack. Back wow. when I was doing it, you didn't get anything to win. Now you get five grand if you win the wow. thing. It's still going. Started in 08. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, he did. He started paying out. Yeah. Pretty much. <laughs> the the day after. Pretty, pretty much. much. Yeah, pretty much. Back pay. So, Back pay. So Story I, of my life. <laughs> yeah. So I had won that five times through 07. So how does this lead into me getting my own radio show? Because <laughs> I, because that whole time I'm calling, I was in sales. I was in the, that's what people need to understand. Like I wasn't in radio. I was a listener. I was in sales, in telecom sales. I helped start up a company in 1997. I was the sales arm in Houston for that company. In 2001, I got promoted to area sales director for that company in Denver. I actually had people reporting to me. And then in 2004, I moved to Chicago where the headquarters is, and I'm VP of sales for the company. Wow. So I was actually like... I was actually a, a like a, a an executive for a telecom company while I have this dual life right. of calling the Rome show, you know, <laughs> making, you know, in making, his car in a parking garage, jokes yeah, and things right. like that, right? So secretly um, going on break, yeah. right? But, but yeah, right. Yeah. So here's kind of right. Yeah. I go out to the car sure, and yeah. make my phone calls. So, um, so I was I was a you know very successful salesperson. What's funny is by about 2005, 2006, I was miserable doing what I was doing. Like I kept rising in my company, but I was miserable. And I, the weirdest thing was I had regretted about 2005. I really regretted not trying to get into radio when I was much younger. When you don't have, you don't have kids, you don't have mortgages, you can go do things like that. And if you fail, you fail. So I was really regretting it. One day in 2007, February 23rd, 2007, I get called into the CEO's office of our company and he says, Oh, today's the day we just sold the company. And I said, okay. He goes, okay, well we, you know, we, we don't need you. And he didn't say it this way, but we don't need you anymore. Yeah. Company's buying us has a VP of sales. Here's your severance package. Last thing we need you to do is go call the directors that I'll work for you and tell them the same thing I just told you, oh, wow. <laughs> you know? So that was my last assignment oh, wow. was to go tell people like, okay, you're, you know, you're Fire. done. So, so I, I go back to my office and I start calling. I had seven directors that reported to me. And one of them I called up, worked here. In, I was in Chicago at the time, worked here in Houston. His name's Joe Garza. And uh, he took the news He took the news fine. But he said to me, he said, hey, you, do you still keep in touch with people over at 610? And I said, yeah, I do, actually. You know, John and Lance and I are all still in a fantasy football league together. You know, even while I was still in Chicago, I kept my friends in Houston, including the ones on the radio. He said, well, maybe can you forward my resume to somebody over there? And um, let them know, I, I think I might want to get into radio sales. And I said, yeah, sure, no problem. So I sent it to a guy I knew there. It wasn't John or Lance. It was a guy named Chance McLean From Heritage Films? From Heritage Films. Yes, you know Chance. I know right? Chance Roy. Really. Yes, yes. It, it, we all hung out together. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He was on stage with us at the concert. He was that's right. That's right. So, <laughs> so Chance is the one I sent Joe's resume to. So this will really resonate with you because you know Chance. So... I go home that I don't think anything of it. I send the email and I pack up my office, put my stuff in the back of my car and I drive home. I get home. I pull into my driveway. Keep in mind, it's February in Chicago. I pull into my driveway and I just got fired. I'm in the middle of getting divorced, by the way. And it's minus 11 degrees outside. <laughs> I, I'll never forget looking down at the temperature gauge and it's minus 11 wow. goddamn degrees outside. And I'm like, this is just the worst. This is the bad time. Like they say in Goodfellas, you know, and, and at that moment, my phone rings and it's chance. Yeah. And I pick up the phone. I said, Hey, what's up? And he said, Hey man, I got your email, blah, blah, blah. And I said, can you help out Joe? Yeah. Yeah. But I want to ask you, this is what I hadn't told you guys at the bottom of the email I sent to chance. I put a PS. 
But P.S. Carve out a couple hours for me on the weekend. You know, I may be moving, <laughs> right. joking around. I'm yeah, like, exactly. I, I, you know, I may, I got fired just like Joe did. I may need to get into radio. <laughs> yeah. huh? Carve out some LOL. But please. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I don't think they so, seriously. didn't have emojis it, back then. So. I was totally joking. <laughs> yeah. But Chance is somebody who had always told me through the years, you should get into radio because of the Rome stuff. So so I sent that email to him and Chance said, yeah, I got Joe's. But that PS you put at the bottom, he's like, were you serious about that? And I said, I said, I don't I'm unemployed. I'm, you know, why? Why do you ask? <laughs> sure. Unemployed yeah. is negative 11. Yeah, it's negative 11. Yeah, I'm pretty much serious about anything that's better yeah. than this. Yes. <laughs> so he said, well, a few of us are getting ready to leave 610 to go start another radio station in town. And your names come up as a possibility to give a tryout to, to do the, you know, we're going to be the fourth sports station in town. So we need to do something a little different. You're the Jim Rome guy. You've never been in radio before. That's different. Yeah. You know, intriguing. Yeah. That's different. And I said, okay. I said, you know, look, man, if you caught me at any other time, I'd probably just tell you no flat out, but I just got fired. I'm in a bad place right now in my life. I'm 38 years old, regretting that I didn't get into radio. I'm listening. Yeah. And he goes, okay, well, Someone's going to call you in the next two days. I can't say who. Everything was real secretive at that time because yeah. because they were because leaving. They, left six they yeah. were leaving oh, okay. sixteen. Yeah, a they, lot yeah. of legalities. Yeah, they 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 had to Contracts be real. Everything was real and... sensitive. Yeah. So he said, "Someone will call you in the next two days. You'll know that this person when they call you. You'll know them, but I can't tell you who it is. Hopefully, the statute of limitations is all run out on the <laughs> legal Who stuff. was it? it was John Granado. <laughs> oh. And he called me five minutes later. I haven't even gotten out of the car yet. I wasn't. I wasn't getting out of that car. Yeah. Good stuff was happening. Yeah, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> we're running good, baby. Granado. Granado calls me. I answer the phone. I knew it was him. Caller ID. And I said, "What's up, John?" And I. This is what I tell those kids I was telling you guys about that I t- tell in college. I said, "This is where you won't be able to replicate my story." Is my first interview to get my first radio job was a three word interview. John's whole interview to me was, so you coming? That was it. And I said, yeah, I think so. And there were some things we had to work out after that. But financially, probably maritally, like everything, familially, it was probably the most irresponsible thing I've ever done because I took like right. an 80% pay cut to get into radio. But Chance and John caught me on a day where I was at my low, literally at my lowest, other than a relative dying, the lowest point in my, for me personally, professionally, the lowest point in my life. And I got that phone call from Chance. And when you've been regretting not doing something for two years, and it's an industry where you think, I'm never going to get a chance to do that. They don't hire 38-year-old people to do a drive-time show in Houston. I mean, granted, it wasn't for one of the big stations at the time. So ultimately, I said yes. Uh, I moved back to Houston. There's a lot of negotiating with myself that went on because my kids at the time were nine, nine, and eight, and they weren't coming. My ex-wife was not moving back to Houston. She was a real estate agent, still is a real estate agent in Chicago. They were going to stay in Chicago. I was going to be in Houston. So there was going to be a lot of broken glass. But what I told myself was, if I don't say yes to this, I'll never forgive myself, for one thing. And if I suck at this, I'll give myself four months. This is The station was going on the air in August. I said, I'll give myself till January 1st, 2008. Station was starting up on the air in 2007. I said, if I suck at it, I know John Granado will be honest with me. He will tell me I suck at it. If I suck at it, then I'll just move back to Chicago and get into sales. I can get a sales job. So, yeah, 15 years, 15 <laughs> I, years later, like here I, I preach there, all huh? the time about like how life changes in a day and yeah, like man. all this kind of stuff. 
but uh, you know, imagine that you don't put the PS at the bottom of that note. I think and about then they it all call the time. you on that day where it's negative 11 and yeah. you just, you know, like all e- those things, everything just rolled into one. And now here you are. All those like, things. It's almost like it was your calling though. Like it was, you know, yeah. I don't know. How, I mean, I believe in God. I think, you know, it could yep. have been God interfering in your life and saying, Hey, this is what you're destined to do because yeah. you've been successful at it. You got to try it. And he, and if that's the case, he was also saying, I'm not going to make it easy on you. You know, you're going to have to make some hard decisions. Uh, there were a lot of peaks and valleys along the way, both, you know, for, for, you know, personal peaks and valleys, uh, professional peaks and valleys. I, you know, I realized, I say fairly early on, it took me a couple of years. Those first two years after we started that station was so much fun because it was a bunch of people who were just together for right. one common cause. Like we were a renegade station and it was really a lot of fun. It wasn't sustainable for a lot of reasons. And that's about the time, about 2010, really about the time when they let chance go. That was really the day because Chance was Chance was the program director there, you know, and he he was a big champion of mine. And just personally, I really love the guy. When he got let go was the day that I sat down and said, "Okay, I got to get over to Sports Radio 610. You know, that's the big station in town. That's where I'm going to be able to make the money I was making before. So I literally sat down and and started writing. These are the things I need. You know, I just I wrote down. These are the things that I need to do to get over to 610. Go find the program director at every Texans game in the press box and shake his hand. And say hello, ask for advice. So you just became relentless in your relentless on social media, you know, trying to b- build my own personal brand, you know, things like that, and, and relentless in networking. Yeah, and it's and like a lot of I tell people all the time, like some of the success I've had, even getting connected like with Jacob Martin, the Texans, and different things I've done. It's always been me just like having the courage that most people don't have, right? So the worst the worst answer I can get is a no. Yep. Like even asking you to come on the show or asking other people to come on the show, like maybe they'll say yes, maybe they'll say no, but if you don't try, <laughs> yeah. how are you ever going to get there? Yeah. Hey, so man, I what? tweeted Jacob Martin and said, come play golf at our golf tournament, thinking this guy's not going to respond. Yeah. And he maybe was in a good mood that day. He decided to respond. And I, a lot of those relationships that I have, is yeah. I've went out on a limb to like, just say pretty much fuck it, right? Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. Let's try it. Let's see what happens and Absolutely. roll the dice. What's yep. our what's our buddy Cody Johnson say? If you got a dream, chase it. Because yeah, that man. dream won't chase you back. That's you know that, that's that's hundred percent true. Yeah, that's what I, I tell I tell my kids this all the time. Everything is sales. You know what I mean? Like everything, everything. is everything, everything is sales. Yeah. Everything is sales. The first impression you make on somebody, you're selling yourself. You know, like so you you you've got to be on your toes. Everything is sales. And well, the and, first time you met me, I was taking a shot of tequila, I think. And I said immediately, like, this, this is, is a guy, guy who's making a great first impression. Yeah. Now, yada, 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 now I'm on your podcast. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. Sorry so I knew we would connect right away. And, but, but part of sales is not only making a good first impression, but you know, finding out when you get that opportunity, when you're talking to the program director of a station you want to be at, ask good questions. You know, yeah. Find out what, they, what it is that makes them t- – what's their points of pain? How can I – help with that. You know, I'm not, I didn't find Gavin Spittle in the press box and start going into a sales pitch, but in my mind, I'm selling myself and I'm trying to find out more information on, on, okay, how do I, how could I fit in over there? That kind of thing. So, so that was one of the things, man, one of the things I wrote down, okay, I need to find my way, find a way to do a show where I'm sitting in the one chair, like you are right now, we call it, like you're the host. I got to find a way to do a show where I'm sitting in the two chair, where I'm reacting to it. I got to find a way to do a solo show. I got to find a way to do a show that's specific about like football, like a draft show or so, like all these things. And the more, the more, you know, audio that I built up of that, or the more that decision makers heard me doing those things, then those are 
That's just more roles I could fill at a I just learned a real, I just learned a lot right there. The yeah. one chair, baby. The one chair. You're the one chair, the two chair. We're going to change that cap on the hell. I'm yeah, the one yeah, chair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but it's got a sponsor attached to it. Yeah, yeah it's got, got a sponsor. Well, you're in the Texrax cool chair. Texrax cool chair, yeah. Shout out to Texrax. Absolutely. There you go. Texrax AC refrigeration services. We call that Summer's a- coming up. We know your AC is going to go out. We call that a live read. <laughs> we call that a practice that a little bit. There you go. There you go. Yeah. 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 And a good production crew. That's right. That's what you the need. Best. That's what you need. Producer um, John. Yeah. So, so, um, yeah. So that's why I tell my kids everything sales. And I also tell them, you know, similar to what you were saying, Jimmy, I'm like, you don't get fined for hearing no. You know, nobody's going to, you, you ask somebody to do, you know, for something, they say, no, they don't send you an invoice for a hundred bucks. Cause they said no to you, you know, like there's no, you, you know. miss a hundred percent of the shots you don't take. That's Dude. it, man. That's and it. Who said That's it? Michael Wait, Scott. No, it's Wayne Gretzky. Wayne Gretzky. Yeah. I love a good, deep tracks only. Right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, exactly. Yeah. For some reason, I thought it was Michael Jordan. <laughs> no, it's Wayne Gretzky. Wayne Gretzky. Uh, <laughs> oh, definitely. I have, uh, it's on my phone. Yeah. <laughs> Wayne Gretzky. Michael Scott. For Michael Scott. Yeah. By proxy. Yeah. That's yeah, that's that's my um, it's a long story of how I got there, but it's a unique enough one where I like telling some of the details because you know hopefully you know people hear people hear something like that and you know, maybe you're not trying to get into radio, but you hear something like that and there's little nuggets you can. Well, take I appreciate away from you it. sharing it because yeah. part of what we want to do on this show is you heard it in the intro. You don't just hear Captain of the Helm. You hear we want to inspire. We want to hear people's stories yeah. that inspire other people. And uh, I've had thoughts in my head over the years because I'm a sports junkie about what would it be like to be a sports talk host. I can't get hired at 6'10", but I can come do my own podcast. Absolutely. So, I mean, yeah. there's there's new opportunities in this day and age. If you want to do something like in America, you can do whatever you want. Put your mind to no it. No doubt. Well, and, and especially in, in this, 100%. That's the other thing I, t- I tell people all the time. I said, man, this isn't like the old way. I'm proof that it's not like the old yeah. way of getting into it. You know what I mean? Like it's it, before to get into the position I'm in there before the Internet, there was really I mean, there's probably a few ways to do it, but the way 98% of the people did it was we we go to school for radio or communications. We go work in a tiny market and then a small market and then a medium market yeah, and then a big market. And then you try to get to the best station in the big market and you try to get into morning drive on that best station in the big market. You know, that was the path. Now, I was a caller. You know, like now, if you want to start doing radio, you want to start doing something, you want to start creating content. Do what you're doing. And that's really what this is. It's content yeah, creation. Absolutely. It's building a brand. So yeah, absolutely. But it's also therapy. I don't know, like getting in a room every once a once a week and just talking to friends or getting to know people better. Yeah. Like I forget all of my other responsibilities right now and everything I have on my plate, and I'm just having good conversation that's with great. good people. So I look at it as a form of therapy. That's good. He called me good people. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, wow. We won't speak on that. <laughs> I'll take it. I'll take it. I'll take it. You are a good person, Christian. Thank you. I appreciate you. You've done a lot for me. I appreciate you a lot. Thank you. I appreciate you. Well, cool, man. That's a great story. So today's show is about sports. So we're going to talk about some hot topics in sports today. Your boy, Chris Birchfield, is a huge Packers fan. Diehard. You Packers are? Fan. Okay. Yeah. Is yeah. today a good day for you? Uh, as Well, it's complicated. As a fan of the organization, I think it's terrible okay as as somebody that placed a lot of future bets at 15 to 1 before he made his decision i love it okay can i just you bet on it 15 you, to 1 i got it yeah okay. so you made money no no no, no i'm saying like i got 15 to 1 on the super bowl he's sitting oh, and then okay. winning like, the super bowl yeah yeah because I, I i got a bunch of people at 15 to 1 because if if he leaves, it goes to 18, 20, 22, and he's drawing Way dead. Way more if than Packers that. Packers are drawing yeah. dead. If he leaves, it's a dead ticket. Yeah. Right, yeah. for yeah. sure. If not, it's plummeting 
By the end of the day, I bet you Circa has that eight and a half, nine to one. I knew there was something I liked about you, Chris. I like that. That's good. That's, that's, so I, I, I found it a little middle of the road. I love, it. On I, it. I love that. I love that. Okay, but you're not an Aaron Rodgers fan, it sounds like. No, I, I am. I really am an Aaron Rodgers fan, but I got to worry about the organization after the next three to four years. Yeah, well, I mean. Because it, of the money? Because of the money. Yeah. Like after, the, after Aaron leaves, and he may not even play that fourth year. Like, you know, let, let's be honest. It like, may just be that he's, he's a some diva. Of the signing bonus. I think yeah. he's one of the best ever. He's I love got the that great. Arm. I do too. I, I best totally, accuracy. I'm like, super biased. Yeah. Best accuracy I, I've ever seen in the entire league. Yeah. If I wasn't a Texans fan, I'd be a, a Packers fan or yeah. Aaron yeah. Rodgers. I love Aaron Rodgers, but the organization's in trouble after these three years. He he does look, he's not afraid to stand up to what he believes in, man. Yeah. And I, I respect yep. that yep. a lot. Yeah. A lot of people want to play the role of Pat McAfee. I gotta I mean he's a face of an organization. Yeah, on the pet I mean Oh, I love Pat McAfee to begin with, and that whole Tuesday segment is so great for me. It's really good. He, McAfee's incredible. Yeah. He's one of my favorite sports guys out there. Like he's so funny and entertaining. Real quick. Yeah. Did you meet ever meet Jim Rome? Yeah, a couple times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um so I've met Jim a couple times. In two thousand three, I was living in Denver at the time. He offered me a job. Oh, nice. Yeah, he offered me. That was when he uh, he got Rome is Burning. You guys remember Rome yeah, is yeah, Burning? Yeah, Rome is Burning. Yeah. Yeah. TV show on ESPN. He had just gotten that. He, they just was that the one him. with Chris Everett? The, no, that, that was, was like in 94. That was okay, before well, that Rome was, okay. became that was really on a big. Fox. Okay, okay, okay. No, no, that was on ESPN yeah. too. Yeah. But, it, but it was before that. I mean, that was my first impression of Rome was yeah, that, that I saw that. Like I didn't know who really he was. He was, a, yeah. he was a local host in San Diego or <laughs> okay, L.A. And, and he got this show on ESPN and, and it went it went huge viral. But uh, in 2003, when he got Rome is Burning, he offered me a job to move to L.A. to write for him. Just the timing wasn't right for me. I was still upward in my career and moving to L.A. on what they were offering me would have been... We would have been living in on well, wheels. He lives in Irvine. Over there. Yeah, 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 right, right. Yeah, yeah, expensive. In the, yeah, in the Badlands. So, so he, yeah, and then, and then again in 2007, when it was announced that I was moving to Houston to take a job with, uh, with Gao with 1560, it was in the Chronicle, and someone must have forwarded it to him because he called me, he called me personally to, to congratulate me, but also to say, hey, I. I didn't even know you were trying to get it. Like when we last left it, you said no to a job offer. You know, like I didn't even know you're trying to get into radio. And I said, yeah, you know, I sort of, um, and he left the door open to working for him. And he, he, he's always been, uh, he's always been very, very good to me. I feel like, I don't know. He, does he write all of his own stuff? No. Yeah. Cause some of his stuff is just, I feel like it's just so hilarious. Yeah. Like somebody has to be back there, like thinking this stuff. A lot of people have ghostwriters. Yeah. Yeah, No, he is. Well, that's what I was just saying. Like he was hiring me to write for him in 2003. Travis Rogers is the one who used to write a lot of his stuff. His producer who went on, he's now a host in LA. And Travis is a very good friend. But yeah, Jim is very good impromptu and off the cuff. But as far as like the takes go, like he is a. He he is the hardest working person you're ever going to see. Like he is a grinder. He works his ass off, but he's also very you know from from everybody I've talked to, he's he's very meticulous yeah. about the show and the Runs brand and everything else. Yeah, yeah, and he's he get you know like I know it's cliche. You're like, oh, you first one in, last one to leave. Like nobody beats him to the studio. He's like the Matt first one Matt. at the studio. Yeah, he's the first <laughs> one there every day. Like that's from what I hear. So. But uh, yeah, I've met him a couple times, and uh, he's always been he's always been really nice really, to me. I wanted to ask you that. Yeah, yeah, he's always been nice to what me. What were we talking about? Aaron Rodgers. Aaron yeah. Rodgers. Two, four years, two hundred million dollars, one hundred fifty three yeah. guaranteed. Wow, it's good work. And you know what's crazy it. is that like that report came out like two weeks ago, and then 
Pat McAfee texts him. He's like, bro, like, what are you doing? He's like, man, I never said that, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, it, it's exactly $50 million a year. You yeah. Know? Like, yeah, yeah. You know, um, like, oh, yeah. did he say it? Did he not? I, I like, feel like, though, it's kind of like a, a screw you back to the, to the not to the Packers organization, but NFL? after they drafted Jordan Love, yeah. he's been holding a clipboard for two not, years. Not yeah. And now... What's he going to do now for the next four years? Hold a clipboard. He's going to get traded. He's going to get traded. Gone, and released but now, what do you something. have to get for him? Because what can you get for a guy who hasn't played it? You know, well, he played one game this year and he wasn't very well, good. Well, I guess here, here's here. Okay, so here's the thing. He was a first round pick, Jordan Love. So he's got two more years on his rookie deal plus a fifth year option. So he's relatively cheap for three more years. So I think the question that some of these teams who need a quarterback might ask themselves is: Okay, how does Jordan Love? Stack up against Kenny Pickett and Malik Willis, and you know, just Davis how does Mills? Two, no, two, well, yeah, 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 no, no. I'm talking about the guys in this draft, right? How, how, uh, how does Jordan Love, having been in the building with Aaron Rodgers for two years, having worked for Matt, you know, been with Matt Lafleur, who's you know a thought to be a really good offensive curve. mind, right? Yeah. We're not going, we're going to miss out on two years of cheap labor from him because the Packers have already burnt two years of him, but. Two years plus that fifth year option. So what is that? Are we better off trading, say, a third round pick for Jordan right. Love than we are using? Our so, like, if you're pick. Pittsburgh, they have the twentieth pick, right? Pittsburgh's one of the teams that wanted Aaron Rodgers. They didn't get him. So if you're Pittsburgh, you're running out of options because Russell Wilson's not available anymore. He just got traded today. Deshaun Watson, who knows if he's going to be available? So now you're into the Jimmy Garoppolo exactly. pin with Carson Jimmy, Wentz yep. and guys like that. So. Pittsburgh, in all likelihood, they're going to have to roll with Mason Rudolph. But if they want a young quarterback, do we use the 20th pick on Kenny Pickett? Which would be fun because he went to Pitt. Or yeah, I'd almost, I, I, would we, do, I would trade for Love and, and use Do we trade down. a third for, for Jordan yeah. Love? I just and don't see think if, Mason Rudolph is anywhere close to the I, know, I don't saying, either. Like, I, I, and I'm just like, what do he's, you do? So, he, but he's their guy right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, he yeah. is. But it's just like, what do you do with that? Yeah. And then, I mean, do you, I, you just laid it out. Do you yeah. draft one or do you have to go out and trade for one? And there's no really free agents that you really want to sign. I just don't right think way, any so. of these quarterbacks coming out this year are worth a first round pick. They're not. I don't think so. Yeah, someone will reach. This Malik, I know somebody will reach, but yeah. I just don't think that. Yeah, they're talking. About, I mean, they even said that it might. Why not the Texans draft him at three and bring in competition? And if he's that good, but yeah. I, I just don't. See. I wouldn't draft any of these I don't guys like at three. It. The Texans need too much stuff to be messing around with. Yeah, and, and all. I see Davis Mills looked. Confident for yeah. what he had, like I mean, he was the best rookie uh, quarterback besides well, Mac Jones. Statistically, second statistically best. Yeah. Second best well, and, and I think if you flip situations and you put Davis Mills on the Patriots and you oh, put I'm Mac s- Jones on the Texans, we'd probably be saying Davis Mills was the best rookie. Right, right. You know, like they yeah. actually had a running. I think, game I think the, what people aren't sold on the reason people aren't sold on Davis Mills is because they got they fell too much in love with Deshaun Watson and his crazy playmaking abilities. He's able to. Just do this crazy stuff in yeah. a game, and if, Davis Mills is not that guy. He's not going to do some miraculous. Now, I think if you swap the the L's for W's, then you're sitting there saying to yourself, "This guy's a great quarterback." Just like Mac Jones happened to yeah. win all of those games this year, and yeah. he, I mean, even though Davis Mills outperformed Trevor Lawrence, he outperformed Zach Wilson, he outperformed all of those guys that were in the same draft with him. You know, it's just statistically. I just think it's the superstar plays and like the. I don't think it's a Davis. I don't think people have a problem with Davis Mills. I think no, people I, have a problem I, with the Texas. They used to Texans. They well, they like they, the, the other sure. into the JJ Watt trades yeah, and tr- like. Tr- trust me, they do. I know because yeah. they call every day. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah no, I, 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 I I'm, I'm aware of that. I, I host. <laughs> hey, I host the post game show. All right, Yikes. that's where that that's the ultimate. Uh, that's the ultimate cesspool it's of like anger. A beating. I think the thing with <laughs> Davis Mills. You guys all bring up fair points about Davis Mills and why people may not think he's the guy. I think the lesson with Davis Mills is one, 
that we're seeing kind of play out with uh, Mitchell Trubisky. You, know, you remember Mitchell yep. Trubisky oh, got yeah. drafted by the yeah. Bears Mitch and he spent a year in Buffalo. The way he spent a year in Buffalo. Now Mitchell Trubisky was in Buffalo for a year. And they drafted nothing. him over over Watson and Mahomes. Yes. 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 Here's yeah. where I'm going with this is that Trubisky's been the backup in Buffalo for a year, and now there's talk that Trubisky's going to get like $15 million a year, having yeah. done nothing for a year. Why? He was the number two overall pick. So these teams think like, well, he's got all this talent. If Davis Mills had not been drafted with the 67th overall pick, right. we, we would be talking about him more like, oh, okay. Or even right, if, he was, if he would have came out this year – and he would be talking round. as a number one maybe he might quarterback. Be the best quarterback in this exactly. in this draft. Which yeah, the, so the conversation would all be different. The the lesson the lesson is Bill O'Brien used to say this like the only day that it matters where you were drafted is the day you're drafted and after that it's competition and it doesn't matter. We no, don't care where no. you were drafted. Like Sean, that's that is false. Everything throw matters. Up. It that all is, matters. It all, <laughs> I'm told guy. there's a hashtag in the building that says it all matters. Wow. <laughs> no, but but you get you get labeled with whatever you're especially yeah. when you're a quarterback, you get labeled with whatever round you get picked in as that's what your talent level is. And Why? so so you, so Davis Mills, like almost by definition, has to do more to prove himself. I, I hate that about sports, by the way. What's that? Like these, like this unwritten rules and like these like narratives that come out based on because you're a third rounder, not a first rounder. Yeah. Even look at the Hall of Fame, like people can't be a first round ballot. Like Andre Johnson was the best player, in my opinion, on that ballot. No doubt. But he can't be the first he can't be a first yeah. ballot. Why? Why can he not be? Yeah. Why have we created these different rules that really aren't rules, but we're just making them up as we go and then people have to stick to them? Yeah. Come on, man. Get let's let's go in a different direction. Yeah. Let's change it up. I mean it's interesting. I think I just the, I hate that. The draft thing. No, you're absolutely right about the Hall of Fame. The draft thing is a little bit different. I think what happens with the draft thing is that when guys get picked high, there's more invested in them. So they're going to get more chances. And there's there's this sort of chicken and egg thing that goes on with general managers that if they're picking somebody in, say, the top 15, they're going to keep giving them chances because they, they the higher they get picked, the more they have to try to look right. So they have to say all the right things in the media, too. But wouldn't yeah. the same, couldn't you say the same thing for a guy like Davis Mills? Because you didn't draft him so high, do we have to put that much attention to him to where maybe we can bring in another quarterback for competition? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it's a fair – like, did Davis Mills do enough to warrant them not taking a quarterback? I don't know. Like, I – Look, nobody expected Casario to take Davis Mills when he took yeah. him. That was their first pick in that draft. draft third, that was third um, rounder, so, right? so I, I think I think everything. This I know about Nick Casario and Seth and I have interviewed him a bunch of times, and we've we've talked to him a little bit privately as well. He's looking at everything. Like he's okay. like, he's looking at quarterbacks with that third pick. He may not use it on the quarterback, but he's looking at it. When you when you talk, I I was dying to talk to you about this tonight. Mm -hmm. Today, sorry. Uh, when you when you talk about Nick Casario as a GM, okay, and I'm I'm I know us fans shut up and claim, well, we could be a GM. I could do. It. I'm not trying to be that guy. But I don't know. Bill O'Brien kind of made us all feel that way. For <laughs> yeah. A couple why? Of years. Yes. Okay, we've all been in bad relationships, right? I mean, I'm going to be very transparent. My wife and I went through a very hard time. We were separated. We had the divorce filed. We were going to be completely divorced, and we were able to save our marriage through. Uh, just uh, dialogue, mm -hmm. talking, right? I've I've heard, I've listened to Six Ten. I listened to everybody else's takes on the whole Deshaun Watson thing, but I just don't believe that there's no possible way, especially with Lovey Smith being hired and the connection to having a black coach there, and you know, black athletes want to help black coaches succeed. Can they not get in a room and just talk and just see? I mean, that they if they haven't done that, then I just feel like that's yeah terribly wrong. Like. There's no hope is not gone until he's actually gone. Yeah. And I think that if there's a way, I mean, is he trying? 
Uh, or is it is who, a towel? Is a white is, flag? Is, 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 who's is is who trying? Like Casario? Is he? Oh, it's Casario. Okay. Is he? Try, is he getting with Lovey? He's going to say, "Hey, yeah. like Lovey, you talk to Deshaun. Like I would be trying to do everything I possibly can to keep that guy here." It's interesting. I don't know. Yeah. I, the answer, my answer is, I'm not sure if they're talking. I know that that Nick has talked to Deshaun. You know, Deshaun was in the building during right. training camp and throughout the year. He went to the building and worked out all the time. So it's not like they don't bump into each other. And and my guess is that Deshaun and Nick don't have a bad relationship. You know, the, like, I don't think Deshaun looks at Nick Casario as the cause of any of his problems. You know, he's Deshaun looks at how the franchise was run and maybe kind of how they arrived at Nick Casario. Like, apparently Deshaun may have had some issues with that process. If Jack Eugene gets fired tomorrow, do you think Deshaun decides? To- I, I, would, I would guess no. Is, it, think- is he really that big of a problem that... Deshaun's like, I, if Jack's here, I'm not. No, here. I don't think it's Jack. I think it, I think it's I think it's ownership. I think it's probably a lot of things with Deshaun. Who knows how much of it is the legal situation too? Deshaun knew about the first lawsuit before the season was even over in 2020. So who knows how much? It, here's the problem: Deshaun hasn't said a word publicly since January 4th, 2021. You know, so it's been 13 months since he since he's spoken on the record. So so we're all guessing, and his representation has really clammed up over the last year. Also, like the only person that's doing any talking on behalf of Deshaun Rusty is Rusty Harden. Harden. Yeah. So it's really hard Screw for us, you, I mean, Rusty. Yeah. So we're all <laughs> <laughs> R.I.P. Um, so it's so we're all kind of guessing in a way. But as far as the answer to your question, Jimmy, like, okay, why can't they get in a room, hash it out? I think two things. I think two things that that would run. I mean, it's a great question you know like are they better with Deshaun than without Deshaun of course they're better with Deshaun right I think if I'm looking at reasons why that can't happen even if Deshaun were to want to stay okay if Deshaun doesn't want to stay then it's not happening but but the reason I asked because as a fan yeah it's like the GM like Nick Casario or Cal McNair they can't be transparent with the fan base okay all you have to I just want you to tell me that you did that yeah like because I want to know if that's happened if that hasn't happened then I feel like you're doing a disjustice to the team and the organization yeah just come out Nick Casario and say hey look we got in a room with Deshaun me loving Deshaun we sat down we tried every avenue to resolve this and we can't come to a conclusion (laughs) so let's move on yeah but let us fan base know like why are you hiding that who cares yeah well I mean I (laughs) like it's some PR thing they can't say Deshaun's legal situation complicates everything so so there's that I think as far as I think as far as why it might like if Deshaun were to want to stay why would it not happen like is there a possibility that from the Texans standpoint they don't want Deshaun back and I think it's possible that based on even just some of the things Deshaun has admitted to forget about what's deemed you know something that's uh, liable in a civil court or guilty in a criminal court let's pretend that he settles the civil lawsuits or even that he's found not liable and that, that there's no charges criminally, I think Deshaun has at least admitted to some things that might jump the Texans' threshold for what they view as conduct that we want our quarterback engaging in, right? So they may they may be out on Deshaun, even if Deshaun wanted to come Based back. Based on because of his behavior. Yeah, just it's bad PR. Just, but whoever he goes to, we can all agree on this, whatever team he goes to, even if, he's found, even if he's found not liable and he's found – not guilty of anything is going to have a PR issue you on it. You can't their hands. unring a wrong bell. Yeah, but yeah, as, yeah. As a fan, I'm not buying that anymore about like we can't have him because of that. Because Michael Vick, I mean, I can go through a mini yeah. list of players that have been given second chances. Right. No, no reason why this organization can't give somebody a second chance. Eventually down the road, like this is all going to blow over. Yep. People are going to forgive him or hate him or love him. And it's about winning football games. Yeah. I mean, I, I know that there's a a side of doing the right thing and, yeah. and we all love women and we want to make sure that we're not, you guys know what I'm saying, but 
we've all made mistakes in life. Yeah. Everybody at this table, everybody in this room, and yeah. people deserve a second chance sometimes. Yeah. The Sailor Jimmy Podcast is brought to you by our friends over at Rooftop Solutions. Steven Smolko and his team are the best in the roofing business. If you've noticed roof damages or signs of roof damage, suspect a leak, or have neighbors who've had roof repairs or replacements, chances are it's time to have your roof checked out. Our team of experts will inspect your roof for free and, if needed, guide you through the insurance claim process and restore or repair your roof to mint condition, leaving you with the peace of mind that comes with knowing your family and your largest investment are safe and secure. Give us a call at 832-512-5758. Again, that's 832-512-5758. That there's a lot of people that there's a lot of people that agree with you. There's a lot of people that take the total. If he's remorseful, do you, you know. Do you yeah. think the Brian Flores situation had anything to do with the fact that if the Texans had hired Brian Flores, that the we that there might actually be maybe more of a realistic shot of getting Deshaun back? I don't or, know because I've heard I've heard conflicting reports about how tight Flores and Deshaun are. You know, Deshaun wanted to go to Miami, so obviously he yeah. was ready to go. I, but I don't know if Flores was the driving reason or if South Beach was the driving reason he wanted to go to Miami. Look when when they when the trade was about to go down because they had a trade all lined up ready to go with Miami at the trade deadline. The, the Dolphins were one and seven at the time, or yeah. two and seven, something and they like that. Seven, seven or eight in a they, row. Yeah, so they, I mean, they weren't a good football team, and Deshaun still wanted to go there. I don't know if Flores was the reason. The other reason I was going to say, if Deshaun were to want to stay, and why it might not happen. One is what I just said, which is, hey, the Texans might view the, his conduct as just we we just don't want this guy to be our quarterback. The other thing. And and I know people will hear this and go, okay, well, I, I don't agree with that. But I, I think Nick Casario got here literally the first day he got here, Deshaun Watson wanted a trade. So from the time he got here, Nick Casario's whole world in terms of rebuilding this team, there's going to be a rebuild with Deshaun or without Deshaun. They were 4-12, and 12, right? Nick was hired for a reason. They weren't good. So there was going to be a rebuild one way or the other. From the day Nick Casario got off the plane in Houston, he knew he was probably going to have to trade Deshaun Watson. So you start to get into a mode where you're envisioning what the rebuild is going to be. You're planning what the rebuild is going to be. And you're doing it with the mind of, okay, eventually we're going to have three extra first and two extra seconds for Deshaun Watson. You do that for enough months. You sit there and say, this is how we think it's going to be. And you start to sell yourself and talk yourself into, hey, this is going to, this is actually a way that my, hey, this might actually have been something we should have yeah. looked at, even if Deshaun didn't demand a trade because we were in such bad shape from O'Brien and Easterby and right. what they did. How you know, does the Russell Wilson trade today affect what the Texans might think that they want to get for him? Because they got, they got uh, Locke, Fant, and one other player. They got two first, two seconds, and a fifth. Yeah. And then the, the, the Seattle only gave up Russell Wilson and a fourth. And a fourth, yeah. So now looking at that haul, do, does the te- do the Texans sit there and think, well, we got to have at least three players, two first, two seconds, and a fifth? Or, or what are they thinking now? Well, I think I, – I don't look at the fifth as being consequential. Yeah, and was, I don't look at Drew Locke as being consequential. Like, Drew Locke got thrown in because he's not going to play now because Russell hey, Wilson's he, he there. he beat the Texans. He's No, yeah, <laughs> I know. I know. And Noah Fant was awesome in yes, that game too, yes, and he was yeah, in the trade. Yeah. The, the big marquee things in that deal were the two, two first, first, especially the ninth overall pick, and the two seconds. Those are the big things in the trade. So, yeah, I think the Texans – I don't know how much it changes the way the Texans look at because reports are that Nick's been looking to get two first, two seconds, two, three first, like six, yeah. you know, six things total, players, right. high picks, or whatever. If if nothing else, maybe it's affirmation that that's that they're they're asking price is the right one. But there's again, 
with if, the legal situation, we just don't know how that's yeah. going to affect if, the market. If I was Nick Casario, I would be thinking about how the hell could I get this guy to stay? Because if he got Deshaun Watson to stay, and which I uh, think the fan base, 90% of the fan base would be okay with it. I know it seems impossible, but if he got Deshaun Watson to stay, he would be a hero in this town. Yeah, that ship And I would though. be doing oh, everything I can. So unrealistic, I'm sorry. I don't We don't like to way. use the word impossible, but I think it's impossible. Uh, well, but, and I think your 90% might be a little off, too. Like, I think there's more people than you think that are out on Deshaun Watson yeah, right now. Yeah, well, you think it's like a 70-30? I, well, I, I mean, you, you know me. If you follow me on Twitter, I put up polls all the right. time on Twitter. Before the legal stuff, when it was just Deshaun wanted out, huge, huge swing in favor of Deshaun because everybody's looking at the Texans being run incompetently. So it was like 80-20, maybe even like 85-15 in favor of Deshaun. Right. As soon as the legal stuff happened, it took a very short period of time for it to swing almost the opposite way. And I think the the – so that's just polls yeah. on Twitter. That is what it is. But as far as like the the actual qualitative feedback that we get on the show about stuff like this, it's the accusations. But I think it's also – I think over time – and maybe this is Houston just getting banged up because so many athletes have wanted out of here over the last two years. But I think the fans in this town are starting to really kind of build up a chip on the shoulder of like, if you assholes don't want to be here, then go screw yourself. Yeah, yeah. And I think that I think there's that feeling with Deshaun. That like, combination and the shipping away of the superstars. Yeah. For, you know, David but Johnson, you, who yeah. is oh, yeah, we have to you, fix that you, eventually. But yeah. do you really blame any of these Texans that want to leave? Like everybody talks about how JJ Watt talked to Deshaun Watson. And I just get this feeling of like JJ's like, look, the ownership is horrible. The GM is horrible. This is a horrible. Do not waste one more second of your I, life I, I playing don't think here. The GM's horrible. And Andre I think talked to him too about it too. Like he and he went through the same stuff that uh, towards the end of his career and ended up in Indianapolis yeah. or whatever. But these are, I think, those guys are sitting there telling them, look. This is not good ownership. This yeah. is not good management. Don't waste another second of your life. As you get one life to live, one chance to do this. Why waste it being mediocre, maybe winning an AFC South title here or there, but you're never real. We're the only team that in the AFC South that hasn't even seen the AFC Championship game. Yeah. Like, we're the only team. Well, well, and the only team in like the last like five, six, seven years. Like, yeah. You know, they've all been there fairly recently. I Well, Deshaun's already in that spot you're talking yeah. about, so there's no no other sales pitch it needs. Yeah. But if you're talking about other players, like, you know, let's say that they, they get the first pick next year and Bryce Young is the is the odds-on first overall pick. Does somebody get to Bryce Young beforehand saying, you need to make sure you need to pull an Eli Manning and make yeah. sure. You, I, I don't know that. that I, I agree with what Jimmy said. The GM's not incompetent. I think Nick Casario is, is, knows what he's doing. I agree. I don't know if he's going to be a good GM. The good GM part is, do they get the results on the field? But like Bill O'Brien didn't know what he was doing. Nick mm -hmm. Casario knows what he's doing. And, and I'll just say before, we because we got to wrap this up soon. I do think ownership is blind to the fact that Jackie Easterby needs to go. Yeah. I do think Nick Casario is doing a good job for what he's done so far with what he's had. Yeah. And I think he deserves a little bit longer chance to, to, to see what happens. Yeah. But I, the I understand the narrative around the Texans because they've created it themselves. Mm -hmm. But at some point that has to change, and it's going to be done through making good decisions, good draft picks. Yeah. And putting a winning product on the field, but as a fan, like we're going to end up with a bag. I'm not going to sit around. I'm not going like, to go around and just keep Cleveland. bashing the organization. I want. I want to change that narrative. Well, but, here's, um, here's here's what I would say. Here's what I would say uh, about anybody who feels a certain kind of way about ownership of the team. There are a lot of NFL teams where the fan bases have felt like the ownership has not been competent or not capable. Ownership. All ownership has to do is make a couple of the right hires and that can change everything exactly. you know, that, that, or fires or or fires. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or fires. Like you, you have to, 
the job of ownership, to me, the job of ownership, and, and I don't think these things are necessarily equal, one-third, 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 but my feeling on ownership has always been that you're there to do three things. You're there to make good hires, you're there to be very generous with the purse strings, and you're there to have an organization that's, that's a, that is a foundation of the community that you're in. Let's face it, with most fans, that third one is probably the least important. They want good hires and they want open purse strings because that's what results in good football. Ultimately, people want to win. But I think that third part does matter. I think the Texans check that box. I think Cal McNair checks the box of somebody who spends money. Nobody is spending more money in the world, it feels like, to pay people to not work for his franchise this year yeah. than Cal <laughs> McNair. And I say that, like I know people laugh. He's paying Bill O'Brien right now. He's paying Brian and he Gain. Did, he did just update the facilities last year with he's when they were losing team. A, a is ton he, is of he stuff. still paying Rick Smith? <laughs> he just stopped paying Rick Smith. You laugh. Like it he paid Rick Smith for a yeah. few about, more years. What about my boy Chris Olson? I don't know if Chris Olson. Do you know Chris? I do. I Chris do. is a great guy. He's in Atlanta right now. Chris is a great dude. Yeah. They may still be paying Chris. I don't know. They're still paying, to my knowledge, Brian Gain, Bill O'Brien for sure. Uh, David Coley. David Coley, $22 million. They <laughs> have great gig that they was. Have, they have $35 million in dead money on the cap for 2022. So that's $35 million that they've paid already yeah. to get to Whitney Merciless and to you know guys who are on Randall Cobb, guys who are on other teams from their old signing bonuses. So I Cal will spend money. Like that's that's the to me the laziest take on the Texans is well. As long as you're, as long as their season ticket sales, or as long as the stadium sold out, that's all they care about. They care about winning. It's just they've made a lot of really bad decisions over the last couple of years. So hopefully Nick Casario is a good decision. Hopefully Lovey Smith and and not hiring Josh McCown <laughs> winds up being a, a good decision. And then and then from there, hopefully Nick is making good decisions because at the end of the day. Like Cal's not a meddling owner. Like Cal hires these guys and wants that. Cal does not. My guess is that Cal does not want to be like rubber stamping every move like Jerry Jones is or be involved. He wants to hire good people and let those good people go do their jobs. And there've been a lot of owners through the years who fan bases hated, but eventually you hire the right GM. You know, look at the playoffs. Well, all we the can last do is all we can do is hope and pray. Yeah. But yep. um, great conversation today, guys. Really fun talking about sports with you. I get we could probably go another hour. But, Absolutely. Um, we got to wrap this thing up. Before we go, though, you want to promote anything? Uh, no, just uh, keep supporting Boots for Troops and uh, make sure that you are bidding on those silent auctions whenever you're out there. <laughs> <laughs> there you Thank go. you. March 24th, the Texas Prime Poker Championship starts. $5,300 buy-in, $2 million guaranteed. We'll crush it. First is going to be like half a million down at Prime Social off of Westheimer. Good friends of Boots for Troops. They did a charity tournament, donated all the winnings back to the charity. Uh, so much love to those guys starts the 24th and runs throughout the weekend. Yeah. Shout out to prime social, Sean, yeah. you want to, yeah, your Monday, morning show. Sure. Monday through Friday, 6am to 10am sports radio, 610. Listen on the radio, download the Odyssey app. A U D A C Y is how that's spelled. Um, you can listen on the app. I do a Sunday show on CBS sports radio from, uh, one to 5 PM central time on Sundays at Sean T Pendergast on Twitter. I'm on all the social medias, Sean Pendergast. And, uh, and uh, yeah, that's that's about it, man. I appreciate you. And Boots for Troops, man. I mean yeah. it when I say it's really an honor to get to do this podcast. Dude, I really respect all the great stuff you're doing for the troops, man, and everything that you've done, you know, for for our country and everything else. This is uh, it's really cool to get a chance to do this with you, man. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. How do you put up with Seth Payne every morning? <laughs> oh, it's, it's like taming a savage beast. Yeah, I love Seth. No, yeah, yeah, I love I love he's doing so. The he's like a full of energy. I he think, is, man. He sounds I, Canadian. My favorite part about Seth Payne, words. real quick before we go. Yeah. 
when he got into it with Josh Ennis at the uh, yeah, that was a, that was so funny. Yeah, I, I thought Seth Payne was going to like literally rip that dude apart. Yeah, <laughs> we'll I'll have to come back on and yeah. tell some more stories. At we'll some do it point. again. Forget about my personal story. I'll come on and just tell radio stories. I was that was in Minnesota. I'll do this quick. That was in Minnesota. And I was in afternoons at that point, and at the Super Bowl, most of the time I get up early, even when I was doing afternoons. But the Super Bowl, you're usually yeah. out drinking the, with somebody the night before, so I was getting up a little later than usual. And first thing I would always do is, you know, pop my phone on, pop open the back then I don't, it was a Radio.com app, Odyssey app now, and I turn it on right in the middle of that yeah. whole thing, and I'm like, this is just two people yelling at each yeah. other. Like, what is <laughs> yeah. go- what yeah. is going on? Like, this yeah. is crazy. And then the next thing I knew, it was up on Deadspin. I'm like, okay, wow. was, yeah, like it was. I'm like, okay, that was a. Ennis is he's a quickly. kind of. A, I don't know. I won't talk about him. But anyways, <laughs> um, thank you guys for being here. Thank you yeah. guys for coming on and talking Appreciate sports it. with me. I want to promote real quick. Uh, this show airs on March 22nd, so we'll be about a week away from the second annual Appeal for a Purpose Crawfish Festival. Tracy it's Lawrence, Hockley, yeah. Texas. Tracy Lawrence headlining. Shout out to Moffitt Services, Scafum. North America. Our show sponsors Rooftop Solutions and Texrax. Thank you guys uh, for sponsoring the show, and we'll see you next time on the Sailor Jimmy Podcast. Thanks for listening to the Sailor Jimmy Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform so you never miss an episode. For more information or to connect with Jimmy, check us out on the web at sailorjimmy.com, on Facebook at facebook.com slash sailorjimmytx, on Instagram at sailorjimmytx, and on TikTok at sailorjimmy. We'll see you next time.